following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us, episode 738 of I Doubt It. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore. Joined today, as I often am, lovely, talented, scholarly lady to my left, Brittany Page, everybody. Are you starting to feel vaccinated? I thought you were going to say normal, and I was really debating on how I was going to answer the question. (laughs) Yes, I am feeling very vaccinated. Yes. No, no, I mean, like, have you adjusted to feeling vaccinated? Are you putting your vaccine to use? Are you... Am I putting it to use? Are you comfortable with being vaccinated yet? Have you... Has it... Well, I didn't... I didn't want to tell you, but I I bought a kiddie pool. Uh-huh. And I put it in the backyard. I filled it with COVID, and I've been bathing in it just to test the vaccine. You know, I don't, uh, <laughs> there's going to be some very unhappy members of the intellectual dark web that you have, that you're doing that. Well, and I also, yeah, as a, as a kind of full disclosure, I had all of that coronavirus shipped in from a lab in Wuhan. Sure. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm, uh, it's all, it's all connected as Brittany Page would say. Yeah. Well, we, we had kind of our first big social interaction, I would say, since being vaccinated. We had a vaccinated yes. only dinner party. Very, very discriminatory. Yes. And well, yes, you had to be vaccinated to that's, come to the dinner party. That was right. one of the requirements. And it felt, it felt normal. It did. It felt like, how things used to feel before the masks and before, before the dark agree. times came yeah. in. Yeah. I did. I was sitting at the store yesterday buying ingredients for, I don't know why that's relevant, but Sit- I was at the store the, yesterday. Sitting at the store? I was standing in line. Okay. I had just gotten up from sitting down on the ground. And uh, I was given, I caught myself giving somebody the crook eye. Yeah. Who was like him and his, all of his like unwashed horde of children, like six of them in the shopping cart. None of them had masks on. And it's not yet time here in California to not wear a mask. I caught myself. I didn't say anything. Yeah. But he looked up and I like, oh, shit, I'm I'm hating that guy, like, publicly, visibly. And uh, Well, you have six days to really get that under control. Well, I need to get it under control now because, you know, it's like you said, it's we're at the end here. Yeah. So, but yeah, the dinner, we had dinner. We had uh, a few friends over. It was a good time. It was... Uh, it was, it, it is, I didn't get emotional like I did when I got the shot, but it is kind of the next step in the evolution of getting back to what will hopefully be some semblance of normal. For sure. And it was, it was a good time. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was really nice. So, uh, the other thing before we move on is uh, a little bit more Popeye talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to cry this time. Okay. Um... First, we're, we're, we're going to play one one voicemail, one email, um, but we got all kinds of messages, of well wishes, of of DMs on Twitter. Uh, mes- uh, what are they called on Facebook? 
uh, messages. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week, folks. Um, messages on Facebook, you know, just kind of like private. Hey, this isn't for the show, but we really feel for you. Yeah. And it, it's kind of it's kind of strange. It's interesting. It's it's heartwarming that um, Popeye mm-hmm. has be, that, like the audience has developed a parasocial relationship with our goddamn dog. Yeah. <laughs> which is I think is super cool. You know, they've 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 um, witnessed the the evolution since we adopted him, and yeah. It's it's uh it makes me feel good. Yeah, it's very I don't nice. know. It, and he doesn't give a shit about it. Yeah. Well, we both keep looking over at him as well. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> um he's very comfortable in what we call his studio bed. He has several different beds and he's currently in his studio bed. Very very comfortable. He's also um still doing top notch. Yeah. No problems. Yes, he's doing very well. Not a not a care in the world mm-hmm. other than the fact that we're Far more restrictive of his diet, and uh, he is not not appreciating that. Well, and you said that we're going to be going out of town. You posted that on the Facebook page That's right. because your daughter is graduating. Yes, and another it, one who's doing very well. Very kind of my godfather to fly in, and oh yeah, we have a studio audience right now. And dog sit for Popeye. So because they said he could pass at any moment, that's what the vet said. Um, we didn't want to board him and have that happen in a boarding place. So we think he's fine. We think it, nothing's going to happen, but just, you know, on the off chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very kind of my godfather to fly so in. should we start with a voicemail of, excuse me, a voicemail or an email related to communication about our rescue bulldog's health? Let's do the voicemail. All right. Hey, uh, Jesse and Brittany, uh, it's Ben, Ben in Knoxville, and yes, I am driving, but I'm pretty much on the interstate, so I'm not that distracted, and I, I really just wanted to call and say that I, I just listened to your most recent episode, and you guys talking about your experience with Popeye, and I just want to let you know that uh, I, I understand 100% where you guys are at and what you're struggling with, and, um, you know, my heart goes out to you. I, I adopted a pit bull uh, within a month of leaving the Marine Corps. And he was two years old then, and I had him until 2017, where he was older. He was he had uh, uh, tumors growing on his uh, skin. He was, he was in bad shape. And I sometimes feel like I kept him around too long. And I'm not bringing that up saying you guys are. I'm just saying that, uh, really, that I just understand. And uh, I know dogs are our family, and we love them, we care for them, we invest in them. They invest in us. They give so much to us, uh, enrich our lives, and it's a hard thing to to, to let go of. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say I love you guys, and my heart's with you, and... Uh, yeah, the best of luck in this situation. Well, thank you, Ben. Um, Very nice, for sure. It, it's it, it, that is an echo of the sentiments we've been we've been uh, hearing from people, and we we very much appreciate it. I don't know why it does bring me comfort to know people are thinking about us mm-hmm. because it doesn't have any tangible, you know, real world touch on our lives. But it it definitely there is comfort there 
And uh, we appreciate it so much. Mm -hmm. So we also got an email. Hi, guys. I just wanted to express my sorrow for Popeye and you, too. I have to tell you a story. My dog, Louie, was diagnosed with heart failure 10 years ago, and we were told that he had 12 months at most to live and that it would be sudden. For the next 12 months, we gave him heart medication and medications for heart pain. Every time we would come home, we would immediately search the house to see if he was still with us. Like Popeye, he had a healthy appetite, no problems drinking, and for a sick eight-year-old dog at the time, he certainly acted like a six-month-old puppy. Now, 10 years later, he's still carrying on like a young dog. He coughs sometimes for eight hours straight. He is not suffering. He's happy. It's like this is all natural for him. We stopped the mess one year after diagnoses, and I swear he perked up even more. Most vets themselves are ignorant, smug. It says prices, but I wonder... If, if they mean pieces, maybe pricks. Um, uh, auto correct pr- strikes smug, again. Smug pricks, I think, is what did we're going to go with. Did he also call them like ducking something? Uh, that's not in here, but okay. I've had nine dogs in my 68 years, and if they had to see a vet for shots, etc., they would always tell me that he or she had signs of blah, 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 blah. I've always gone by how my dogs act and behave. They all live to a ripe old age. Just saying, don't always take what the vet tells you to heart. Watch your dog. He will tell you when it's time to go to the Rainbow Bridge. Love you guys. Love your show. And Jesse's YouTube show, Love to Popeye. Uh, let me push back on one thing. <laughs> and I, I, I just don't want it just to be stated and then not pushed back on that most vets are this or that. It hasn't been my experience that most vets are dirty pricks or whatever. I, Smug. I, yeah, I think, you know, listen, people don't go into a profession in, in a helping profession. And although it's not human medicine, it's still a helping profession. You have to have a passion for animals. I don't think people go into that kind of a job to, I can't wait to extract as much money from pet owners as I can. <laughs> ah, they're twisting their mustache in a smoky right. cigar-filled room. You know, right. it's, I, I think they're, they're in it for the right reasons. And, you know, there are certainly some ducking prices of shit or whatever it was. Well, I think when it comes to prognostication, I do not envy vets. I do not envy doctors. I do not envy anyone who's in a position to be telling anyone how much time they have left or how much time their dog has left. I I can't. I don't know what goes into that calculus. I imagine that it uh, is often not super accurate. Well, it's also you're not dealing with someone you can go press on their stomach and go, does it hurt there? Yeah. I'm going to press here. Does it hurt more or less? It's, yeah. it's a dog, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. They were like, Popeye was totally fine. They strapped him down and shaved his stomach. And yeah, we, no we can't way. even touch his feet. Right. We can't even touch his feet. He was ready to bite your fucking arm off when you pushed him into the shower the other day to give oh, him a yeah. bath. Oh, yeah. We tried to give him a bath. He almost attacked us. And he loves us the most. And they're telling yeah. us, yeah, we strapped him down. We pinned him down and shaved his stomach. They didn't say it like but that. But that's fine, what they everybody. did. Yeah, yeah. And he loved it. He had a great time. Like he's no, just he going to roll over, lay on his back, and volunteer to have his, his stomach shaved. Yeah. Off. In a violent, aggressive way, I'm sure. So thank you very much. Sorry, but shit on. Your email for that long. We we very much appreciate it. We're glad your dog w- was doing well. Yeah, after all the all of the dogs. Yeah, yeah. It seems like the vet was out to get you. So the other thing, moving on from the Popeye situation, is the the story we're going to primarily talk about today is ProPublica and the reporting that they did. And I did a video about it yesterday, <laughs> and uh, we got an email about my opinions specifically surrounding Elon Musk 
who, by the way, I'll just give the figure now as a spoiler alert, between 2014 and 2018, paid an effective tax rate on his wealth of 3.27%. The pause was intended. Marinate on that. Think about what you've paid in taxes. If you make 40, 50, 60, 70, $100,000 a year, think about what you paid in taxes. Well, and the total income reported on that was $1.5 billion. $1.52 billion. And the wealth yeah. growth was $13.9 billion. Right. Total taxes paid $455 million. 3.27%. Now, listen, uh, of the, the billionaires, some of the billionaires we're going to talk about today, he paid the most. Yeah. But 3.27%? Come on. Anyway, somebody wasn't happy because surrounding Elon Musk is a cadre, a, a cult of individuals who believe he can do no wrong. The tech bros. The, the, that's exactly right. The tech bros online. So, so well, this, tell is, me, this is Max. Tell me what you think, though. Okay, because I think when it starts off in a way that kind of creates a tone. So tell me what you think about how it starts. Hey, bud. I think we know from my history making uh, videos about Tommy Laren. Yeah. Everybody knows that I fucking hate, hey, bud. Hey, bud. Where Where is the saying, uh, I'm not your bud, pal? Is that a saying? That's a South Park thing. Okay. I'm not your buddy, that's, that's... guy. I'm not your pal, bud. Are you sure? How would I know a South Park reference? I don't watch South Park. Because Brett number one and I... Do oh. that all the time to one another. Okay, I see. All right. I'm not your pal, buddy. Hey, bud. <laughs> you lost my subscription. You just lost my subscription. I'm not a big fan of people taking advantage of the tax system, but... Oh, uh, here we go. I'm sure you don't willingly pay more than you need to as per the law. One more time. Read that line again. I'm sure you don't willingly pay more than you need to as per the law. That's the problem. Not people like Elon, who are actually changing the world, rather than bitching about what's so wrong with it. Mm. I'll consider changing my subscription if you actually answer this email. <laughs> if not, best of luck. That, Max. right there, that is, that is, mwah, that is chef's kiss right there. Well, can I just I'll say? I'll consider changing my subscription back if you actually answer this email. But if not, Best of luck. I wash my hands of you. I am Pontius Pilate, bro. Well, so he's he's well, he's gonna come back because we're responding to his email. So that's, oh. that's what the promise was. I mean, this is kind of a contract. Right? No, no, it was that he would consider. Oh, he's gonna consider it. I see. Okay. Right. Well, we'll see how it goes. I don't know how we will go on with the threat of Max, <laughs> yeah. my bud. Yeah, yeah. Canceling his subscription to the show. Well, let me just say to Max, I really hope that Elon sees this. I mean, you're taking time out of your precious day to defend him online and. I just really hope he sees your efforts, Max. I think it's important, and he really appreciates you as a fan. Or maybe he'll accuse you of pedophilia like he did the hero, uh, Thai Navy SEAL, who was saving those children who were trapped in that cave. Was that the pedo guy? Yeah. When he said pedo guy? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Listen, Elon Musk is not some kind of a, of a global savior figure. Elon Musk is a fucking... If anything, is he Thomas Edison figure where he enriches himself off of the labor, off the intellectual property, off of the inventions, off of the ingenuity of other people. But Elon Musk did not found Tesla. 
Tesla was founded in 2013. He came along years later, and part of the agreement with his purchase was to slap his name as a founder on the company. He did the same thing with PayPal. It's He's not some crazy eccentric genius. He is the beneficiary of a whole lot of luck and a little bit of brains. Well, you know, if we could just go back, I think we can... As soon as I ended the email, what we should have said was, got his ass. <laughs> That's right. Max got your ass. That's right. That's right. Uh, one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are many things on Twitter that I really enjoy. Yeah. Got his ass is... Number one. Absolutely number one. Number one. So anyway, Max, I'm sorry to see you go, brother. <laughs> uh, I don't know what we'll do. Yeah. But thank we're... you for wishing me good luck in the future without yes. your... Without your subscription. Yes. Hopefully, so, we can keep the lights on. I don't know if it's going to be possible. We're going to have to take out a loan. I don't know, but I think it'll be Maybe okay. Elon will help out. Yeah, maybe. I'll save the day. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's all for listener communication. We would invite you to, to, to subscribe, if you haven't already, to counteract the effects of the the, the <laughs> de- devastating loss of Max as an audience member. Yeah. Uh, you can also call, leave a voicemail, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. All right. Moving on. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. A new Patreon mid-roll. That's right. Thanks to Jeremy Henson. Yes. From the... The intrepid podcast, Try to Podcast. Yes. Jeremy and Brian try to podcast. Mm-hmm. They seem to be doing it pretty well since they've done it for years now. It's not really trying. It's like doing it. Yes. Yes. Good work, you guys. change it to Jeremy and Brian Podcast. <laughs> okay. We would like to give a shout out to our new Patreon supporters, Daphne. Daphne. Daphne W. Daphne W. I forgot the last initial. It is the first time we've ever done it, so I understand. Rebecca C. Rebecca C. Melissa D. Melissa D. And we would like to give a shout out to Betty H. Betty H. For more than doubling the pledge. Fantastic. I need to come up with a better descriptor or exclamation or to to insert there than... Fantastic. Well, and I hope that... That's swell. Yeah. Is that better? Well, the Patreon mid-roll has kind of become this this routine thing where we play it and then we read the names. And I worry that sometimes it can sound like we are just kind of falling into that routine and not actually grateful for the support. But we are enormously grateful for the support that people take time out of their day to listen to the show and give us feedback. I mean, we love hearing from people that say, you know, I was listening to the show. I had to stop. I had to call and talk about this. I had to send a message. And we love the community that has grown around the show. So we, we really appreciate it. And we hope that it doesn't just sound like we are being performative when we go through that. Well, I mean, we, 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 I think we talk about it quite a bit that, you know, we started the show seven years ago. Yeah. And here we are 738 episodes deep and it is not 
lost on us that we are lucky to do what we do. It, it is. It doesn't escape our our attention that there are millions, maybe for cert- certain, over a million podcasts, and people burn out because they don't find an audience. It's yeah. A lot of people that just say, "Oh, they're lazy. They don't do it." I think it's because they don't find an audience and. They're just podcasting to themselves. Well, yeah. We were lucky enough to have found an audience or an audience found us, and we're we're very grateful for it. Yeah. And sometimes we do that where there's like a bit that we did or something we talked about, and we're like, oh, we thought that would get more. We thought that would get more of a response. You want to know a bit that didn't get any traction that I was bummed about? What? Is when we played the Tom Selleck thing about the, the reverse mortgages. Nobody gave a shit about that bit, and I thought it was hilarious. Okay, so you are upset with the audience because they didn't respond to a Tom Selleck commercial that we talked about on the show. Yes, in fact, I'm that gonna... they probably hear all the time in the midst of their insomnia. Listen, listen I'm going to draft an email right now to the audience. <laughs> okay. Hey, buds. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. And I'll consider doing more shows if you respond to me talking about this. If not, (laughs) good luck, fuckers. You know, here's a tip for you is uh, like fewer Tom Selleck commercial discussions. I I think that that might be the way to go. Anyway, you don't have to side with the audience. I do side with the audience. I'm I am happy they didn't respond to you. This is outrageous. All right. Um, (laughs) I guess there's no place to go but forward. Brittany Page. That is true. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, Hunter Biden. Hunt, Hunter Biden? Yeah, well, it's the important stuff that we talk about on the show. and This is a last-minute addition to the program. Well, Hunter Biden... There are reports that he used the N-word multiple times in conversation with, this is the quote from the Daily Mail, his white $845 per hour lawyer. Don't know why that is relevant. So the story, if true, is that Hunter Biden is dropping the N-bomb, not that he has an expensive lawyer or a white lawyer. Why, Why are those additions there? I don't know. Also, well, actually, I do know it's the Daily Mail. Ben Shapiro, which we have a clip of. Well, explaining the situation. Well, Ben Shapiro, yes. So he's explaining the Daily Mail situation. But here's I want to give Ben Shapiro props before you hear this clip because at least he's consistent. Like he's very consistent in his views. <laughs> so you'll just listen for that because you're going to hear it. And uh, he has some very, very wise words for us. I said certified freak seven days a week. Ah, wrong, <laughs> wrong clip of Ben Shapiro. Here we go. Hop on top. I want to ride. I do a kegel while it's inside. Oh, goddamn! Another so many good uh, Ben Shapiro clips. Extra large and extra hard. I'm sorry. Actual clip Ben Shapiro. Okay, so here is the full story about Hunter Biden. Now, again, I will say that when it comes to the use of the N word, there is a difference oh God, between calling a black person an N word with an er at the end. And in in jest, using the N-word that ends with an A to describe a white person. Now, the latter is also really crude and gross and stupid. It's not racist in the same way that it would be if you were just shouting the N-word at a, at a black person, which is the height of racism, obviously, in American society. But here is the story from the U- All right, I'm going to pause before he gets to the story about Hunter Biden. I know when, when I, when I want to learn about 
what is an offensive, racist, derogatory <laughs> term, yeah. my first thought is, who can I go to? Yeah. Who can I go to, to to elucidate this particular issue for me? Yeah. And it's always the the white Ben Shapiro. Yeah. It, that's always who I think of. I, I think Ben Shapiro is going to be the guy to really shoot me straight about this. Exactly. Yeah. He probably thinks that he's really got a lock on it, too. That's, oh, no. That's I, the, he definitely does. That's he the hilarious does. thing. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hear what he has to say about uh, Hunter Biden. Hey, Daily Mail. Hunter Biden used the N-word multiple times in conversation with his white $845 per hour lawyer. His text messages reveal <laughs> the shocking text may prove embarrassing for his father, Joe Biden, who just last week gave a speech decrying racism on the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa massacre and has sought to portray racial justice as the top priority for his administration. The president's son joked in a January 2019 text to corporate attorney George Maziris about a big penis and said to the lawyer, I only love you because you're black and true dat N-word. In another text a month earlier, he wrote to the Chicago lawyer saying, how much money do I owe you because, with two A's, because N-word, you better not be charging me Hennessy rates. Nisiris wrote back, that made me snarf my coffee because he's a lawyer and lawyers know that you're supposed to actually just like pretend that your clients are amusing. So, oh, because Ben Shapiro's a lawyer. I'm a lawyer, everybody. I'm a lawyer. Yeah. Listen, who, first of all, I don't deny or doubt that Hunter Biden could be a guy who drops the N-bomb. That's not like, a, oh, no, he's like Mother Teresa. He's a saint. There's no way he could have done. Of course he could have. Yeah, yeah. Who care? I mean, we care, but it's not, this is not like they're trying to take Joe Biden down with this story. Well, I mean, it's the Daily Mail. They're going to write about anyone's text message who gets released. They're going to make a story about it. That's... They, they also guaranteed wrote about the dog who bit the Secret Service agent, too. Like, yeah, oh, this is I, the end of Biden's presidency. Yeah, but the important thing about this clip is that Ben Shapiro is trying to tell his audience that there's a difference between the N-word that ends in E-R and the N-word that ends in A, and that it also makes a difference on who the audience is, the intended audience, when you use those two different words. So he's, like, parsing this into, well, in certain situations you can use this word yeah. and it's not racist. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, th that's what I mean. At least he's consistent where he's trying to argue like, okay, it's, it's about Hunter Biden. Normally Ben Shapiro would be, you know, against whatever Ben, Sh uh, Hunter Biden is doing. Right, right, right. But in this case, he's trying to make an excuse for using the N word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying well, to make the argument that it's appropriate in some situations, which tells me, I mean, what what are Ben Shapiro's text messages? Well, what are his DMs? You're, you're, Is he using the N-word in certain situations and trying to defend Hunter Biden in this case because... No, he's not. Def that's, that's the bizarre thing here. Is that he's saying it's okay, but then reporting on the story as though it's a travesty. Mm -hmm. When it's not good. It is, I don't know, a travesty, but it... It's racist. Well, when you say it's not a travesty, you're talking about for the Biden administration. Yeah, I mean, I, I think travesty is a is a is a it's just a weird word to assign to this. It it is racism. If right. you're using the N word, that is racist, vile, discriminatory language. That's just it. But if in the opening of the clip he gives the justifications for use and then reports on the story. In a manner to denigrate, so it's either it's either um, permissible 
or it's not. It's not not permissible when Hunter Biden does it, but totally permissible when in these other instances that he names. It's just, again, it's just it's it's just constant nonsense from the logic, bro. Mm-hmm. Which and that's really that's the damaging thing here is that there are. Millions or hundreds of thousands, there are countless members of the Logic Bro community who really do look up to to Ben Shapiro as some kind of a of a of a have a, a kung fu grip, like an action figure mm-hmm. on on logic and reason and debate and well, yeah, that's a logical fallacy. You know, it's uh, it, it, it's 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 uh, it wears on me. It's it's fatiguing. Yeah. Anyway. I think it is for us all. We'd love to know what you think. Again, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Now, on to the topic of the day, the one that Max, my bud, (laughs) cannot get enough of. ProPublica, today, yesterday, released a story. They have have revealed, they they have received, they are... Uh, in receivership of... The secret IRS files. That's right. Trove of never-before-seen records reveal how the wealthiest avoid income tax. Apparently, thousands of the richest of Americans between 2014 and 2018, ProPublica has... has uh, they're in receipt of all of these documents. And they reveal a... maddening number... Of, of individuals who are paying nothing and next to nothing in income taxes. And they outline exactly how that's done. We're going to get to that. But I want to, I really want to take a big dumper on CNN. Because they reported on this story. And it's been terrible all the way around how they've reported on it. They who, are, who did the reporting? Uh, well, Jake Tapper's in the mix. Um, John Berman's in the mix. And it is a lot of hand-wringing and excuse-making and like, well, look, you can't blame the rich people. A bunch of that talk, which is just abject nonsense. So he he made the argument that you are not willingly paying more than you need to as per the law. Right. And this is kind of the, the pushback that I've seen against this article of people saying, well, they're doing this legally. This this isn't like illegal tax evasion that's happening. They're doing this legally. So how can you criticize them? And so is the CNN reporting basically saying like you can't blame them because it's the system that's allowing them to do this? That's is exactly, that the argument? That's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. The name the name of the video. I listen. The clip is just the name of the video from YouTube, and it's quote can't blame the rich unquote the real reason the wealthy pay less. Which for me is just a shit ton of excuse making because absolutely the rich, the rich can um, take out loans and then we're going to get to all this. I've got clips for all of this. But first, I want the CNN version of how they reported on the story. When it's time to pay taxes, new reporting from ProPublica says the nation's top 25 richest people pay little to nothing at all. The revelation after an anonymous source sent the publication years of tax returns from thousands of the wealthiest Americans, including Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. We had to work for months on this to get it into a shape where we, you know, were were satisfied that it was, you know, it was accurate and it was saying something clear. Take a look at Amazon founder and CEO Bezos. 
According to ProPublica's reporting, back in 2007, his wealth increased $3.8 billion and paid nothing in federal income taxes. Neither did Tesla founder Elon Musk in 2018, and not a penny from George Soros for the three years between 2016 and 2018. And it's all legal, thanks to U.S. tax codes, which focus more on wages as opposed to investments, which are usually taxed at lower rates. That's something billionaires like Bezos can take advantage of, along with complicated tax loopholes and write-offs. ProPublica says while the now richest man in the world's wealth grew $99 billion between 2014 and 2018, he only paid $973 million in taxes at a rate of less than 1%. So if, if you like are Jeff Bezos and you're sitting on top of this wealth and you're getting you know, richer by the day, um, that doesn't get transformed into income. You don't have to put that on your tax return until you, you know, sell your stock uh, generally. And for Buffett, who has said in the past he favors raising taxes for the rich, his wealth grew by $24 billion between 2014 and 2018, and the amount of taxes paid, $23.7 million, or just 0.1% of his wealth. Buffett telling ProPublica tax codes should be changed substantially, and huge dynastic wealth is not desirable for our society. According to ProPublica's analysis, the 25 richest Americans were worth $1.1 trillion by the end of 2018. It would take 14.3 million ordinary American wage earners to make that same amount of wealth. The IRS and the FBI are now investigating this leak, and the Biden administration says it's looking into the situation. Any unauthorized disclosure of confidential government information by a person with access is illegal, and we take this very seriously. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki also emphasized President Biden's proposal to raise taxes on the wealthy to help finance his spending plans. We know that um, there is more to be done to ensure that corporations, individuals who are at the highest income are paying more of their fair share. So the top 25 paid $1.9 billion in taxes in 2018. It took 14 million regular wage earners to have that same amount of wealth as the top 25, and they paid $143 billion in taxes. Now, no comment uh, to ProPublica from Bezos or Musk. Musk replied to the nonprofit publication with a question mark, uh, but did not reply to detailed questions. A spokesperson for Soros told ProPublica, between 2016 and 2018, George Soros lost money on his investments. Therefore, he did not owe federal income taxes in those years. Mr. Soros has long supported higher taxes for wealthy Americans. All right, well, two things about this. One, the quote from Warren Buffett really smacks of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson bullshit. Uh, huge dynastic wealth is not good for society, says a guy who made $24.3 billion in four years. That's, it's like Thomas Jefferson writing, yeah, slavery's terrible, as he has hundreds of slaves sewing and, and farming for him. It's just, it, it's just fucking gross. Well, he's also quoted in the ProPublica reporting saying that it's better for rich people to give their money away. Right. Rather than through taxes. So again, it's, I, I support these when, measures. When's that going to start? I support these, me- well, and that's, that's the thing. They would argue that they're doing that. Yeah. That they're actively involved in giving their wealth away. Well, he's worth billions and billions and billions, tens and tens of billions. That $24.3 billion that he made in those four years could have just been given away, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. They, they, it's, oh, a billion here, a, 
a billion there, maybe. But then it's also money managed. So that that money that they donate is actually building wealth for them. All of it is under the guise of increasing the amount of wealth that they have. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, some good is done. Some good is done. But it's... Listen, I'm... These are radicalizing moments for me. And it's... I used to be a guy who defended billionaires. Look, they... They they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. They're adding to the economy. They're creating jobs and innovating. The toll on our society, the negative ramifications of billionaires far outweighs the good, in my opinion. The other thing... Well, on that note, it, they specifically talk about Jeff Bezos, and there's the, a graph in the ProPublica article where it compares Jeff Bezos and his wealth growth and total taxes paid to the typical American household. Yeah, yeah. And I I saw a lot of criticism for this, this graph specifically, people saying, oh, yeah, you're going to compare Jeff Bezos, who created a company that completely transformed the nation and right, has right. created so many jobs to the typical American. And... I it it makes me very angry when I hear that argument because you have Jeff Bezos who's running a company where people are having to pee into bottles and yeah. um they're crashing their delivery trucks because they're so stressed about having to make deliveries. They're People have died on their warehouse floors. Right, because they they have to meet these goals and it's a terrible working environment. They're anti-union. Yeah. Um they they're not pro-worker. It's a, it's a terrible place to work, and he is not a good person. He's not doing enough with his wealth. Not even not even that how he treats his employees or mistreats his employees. He's also running small mom and pop hard working people out of business with his AWS. They they find out um, what pro what products are selling really well for small businesses. Then they recreate those products on their own, undercut. And become competition for the same people who are selling on the platform. He's a terrible person who is absolutely running a monopoly. And it's, you know, inside of hopefully 10 years or so, it's dealt with. Well, and this is what is confusing to me about people like the Bud Max and other reply guys online that are defending Jeff Bezos. Like you're you're taking precious time out of your life right. to defend someone who what are they doing for you? Right, right, right. Rather than advocating for the typical American who is suffering, who right. is struggling to pay their bills. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people have died of COVID. People are losing their jobs. People are, I mean, the eviction moratorium is going to end this month. And landlords are pushing it. They, they want people out. They don't want to get paid. They're not using the federal funding that is available to them. Taking the case to the Supreme Court. These are the things that people could be reply guys about. Yeah. Well, it's, it is, I don't know if it's aspirational that they feel like it's like that, that weird Republican trope that we all want to be millionaires and billionaires. And yeah, that's, that's great. But you know, it's for me, again, it, it, it's the difference between punching up and punching down. And yeah. if you're creating a safe space for these 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 monsters who are not putting into the same society and civilization and tax base and country that allowed them to become what they are, they're just leeches. They are they're parasites. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the way it is. Well, and also when they said at the end of that clip, 
who was it? George Soros has always supported increasing taxes right. on the wealthy. Well, this ProPublica reporting makes it clear that like the proposed tax increases from the Biden administration not going to impact the 25 well, wealthiest Americans that they discuss in this article. That's the other note that I wrote down at the end there when Jen Psaki says, well, President Biden is all that's what we want to do is raise the income tax rate on on billionaires. If they're already paying zero because their income tax doesn't apply to them, several um, comments on YouTube were, well, Zuckerberg and some of these guys, they take $1 in salary so they don't bankrupt their company. That's not why they do it. They do that because income is taxed. And we're going to get to it. Were they the same people who were impressed that Donald Trump wasn't taking a salary? Uh, Well, probably not. (laughs) If they're... they're Long-time viewers of my show on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But it's just, they get around, they, they, they strategically do what they do to evade taxation. By taking out massive loans and then paying a low single-digit uh, interest rate, which is kind of like a tax, to avoid paying 25 35% in taxes. It, it is an evasion. It's an abdication of their responsibility as a member of, of the of the community of Americans who pay taxes. Here is the next clip with CNN. Can't blame the rich. They're just doing what everybody would do. I think there are two things on the ProPublica report. The first is that the tax code is full of loopholes. And you can't blame the rich for making use of loopholes. Remember the old saying, you know, there's nothing wrong with avoiding tax. Every person's duty is to avoid tax. The problem is evading tax. And the reality here is there are loopholes in the system which these people have been able to exploit. And I'm not sure you should blame them for exploiting things. You can blame them for lobbying. You can blame them for putting them there in the first place for arguing for them but they are there and congress can always remove them the second thing is i think taxing on wealth rather than income does create some difficulties because what you do when the wealth goes down on those years do you then as donald trump did manage to claim a tax loss a tax loss by the way that donald trump was able to roll forward for many years thereafter taxing wealth is a great and beautiful idea to quote the president, perhaps, the former president. But the reality is it's difficult to do. There are inherent problems and the loopholes still remain. You start with the loopholes and then you worry about the wealth. Pause it right there. I I just want to say, I have to say, I'm sorry. He says that the tax system is the problem. He admits that. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on to shoot down possible solutions for fixing the tax system. The reason I paused... How he does that is by saying taxing wealth would be hard. Oh, my God. (laughs) It would be hard? Yeah. Well, you know what? That which is difficult to do should not be endeavored. Mm -hmm. It would would be difficult to defeat the Nazis during World War II. Ah, just let them do their thing. It's hard, Richard Quest. Goon. Get out of here. Yeah, so he gets ah. he gets paid a lot of money to go on CNN and say that uh, rich people aren't the problem, the tax system is the problem, but also I, we can't really fix the tax system, so harumph. Yeah. Don't know what to do. It, right? 
It didn't get pushback. No was, pushback. Was fact, Elizabeth another... Warren available or is she not? We're going to get there. Okay. We're going to get there. All right. The clip continues. Catherine ProPublica writes about quite an interesting year for Jeff Bezos saying, quote, in 2011, a year in which Bezos's wealth held roughly steady at $18 billion, Bezos filed a tax return reporting that he lost money. His income that year was more than offset by investment losses. What's more, because according to the tax law, he made so little, according to the tax law, he even claimed and received a $4,000 tax credit for his children, unquote. So again, as with almost everything in the United States, the scandal is not what's illegal, it's what's legal. But the guy has $18 billion and he takes the tax credit? Yeah, you, you mentioned exactly the phrase that I was going to offer up, which is that what, what, especially when it comes to the tax code, what is scandalous is what is legal, not what is illegal. And, and by the way, I should disclose, Jeff Bezos owned, personally owns the Washington Post, which I work for. But look, this is the tax code working as it was designed to do, as we collectively, as a society, have programmed it to do. We could make different choices here. We could change the tax code so that people who are very high net worth individuals do for work over more money to Uncle Sam every year or uh, more frequently in any event. You could do that a few different ways. For example, uh, the, the main subject, uh, the, ma the main uh, cause for all of these high net worth people paying so little income in income taxes is that basically we only tax most assets when they are mm -hmm. sold. Um, this is called the deferral benefit. So you could get rid of that deferral benefit. You could do uh, mark to market for assets, which is complicated for a, a lot of reasons, Richard. I'm sure we can go into. Um, you could have what's called a retrospective wealth tax, which is when these assets are sold, you kind of like work backwards and figure out how much they would have paid if they had marked to market every year. Uh, you could do more radical things like having a consumption tax uh, so that when rich people borrow against their assets uh, in order to fund their lifestyles, they're still paying taxes on, um, you know, the, the boats and mansions and whatever else they are spending money on. Of course, consumption taxes have other problems, including that they hit poor people as well. But these are choices we have made as a society. So of all the people, CNN has a, a, a deep bench that they could draw from. Of all the people that they picked to come on to talk about Jeff Bezos in this segment, they picked someone who works for the Washington Post and really is going to be very tepid about any criticism at all about their boss. Because it's not, it's not Amazon that owns, it's not a corporation that owns the Washington Post. It's Jeff Bezos, personally. He owns it. Come on. That's by design. That has to be by design. So if I'm understanding your position correctly, you you want these news organizations to be criticizing not just the system, because that's what she did pretty pretty well, I think, well, but also criticizing the rich people. Um, no, but I want it reported on on with some with some accuracy because every single thing she said we could do taxation wise, she also undercut it with a giant caveat, like the wealth tax, for instance. It, I mean, of course, it, it goes back to exactly the Richard Quest thing. Well, it's going to be really hard. All these loopholes, yeah, they're terrible, but all these solutions we could come to, they're going to be difficult. Hmm. It's just, and also get somebody else other than a Washington Post reporter who can't objectively report on this story mm -hmm. for fear of their job. Um, well, there's two ways we could go here, clip wise. Now we're planning the show, 
in real time. Uh, we could go to the the ProPublica's like minute and a half video that talks about how they evade tax in great detail. They do a great job. That's why I'm going to play it because they do a far more clear job of explaining it than I could do. Or we could go straight to Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax. Well, I think we need to end with Elizabeth Warren. We'll end with that. Here we go. ProPublica explaining the loans that they take out, the the loophole, not the fact that they are absolutely actively evading contributing to the society they've so greatly benefited from. Some of the very richest Americans pay little in taxes compared with how fast their fortunes grow each year. How? They use a tax strategy known as buy, borrow, die. It's like the ultra-wealthy are living on another planet. Average people need income to pay for basics like housing and food. But the ultra-wealthy don't. They can just live on borrowed cash. Step one, buy. The ultra-wealthy buy an asset or build a company or inherit a fortune. As long as they don't sell, they owe no taxes. They keep their income as low as possible since every dollar they earn can be taxed. Step two, borrow. They borrow against their holdings, and the bank gives them a really good deal. I'll loan you $10 million with only 3% interest. But if you take a $10 million salary from your company, you'll owe almost 37% to the IRS. So the ultra-wealthy use loan money to fund their lifestyles. That's how a billionaire can live the most luxurious life imaginable while reporting little to no taxable income. Step three, die. When they die, these lucky few often use complicated trusts and philanthropic foundations to avoid the estate tax. And their heirs can inherit stocks and other assets tax-free. A new generation is ultra-wealthy and the cycle starts all over again. So that has me enraged. That has me Ready to lose it. That has me ready to buy AOC out of all the sweatshirts that say tax the rich. <laughs> um, that would be nice. I could use a few more because I've washed mine a few times. It's starting to fade. So I love the the looks you get when you walk around in that sweatshirt. In Orange County, it can be dangerous, in fact, to wear that sweatshirt. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm worried I'm going to get tackled one day. So here's how we do it. I, listen, I don't have all the answers, but there's certainly there are certainly poly, policy proposals. Propo- policy proposals that are out there that are certainly workable. We heard them in twenty eight in 2020 from Elizabeth Warren all day, every day during the primaries. She had a plan. About many, many things, and she should be listened to. Um, here's the wealth tax from Elizabeth Warren herself. The rich and powerful have written the rules of our economy and our government to benefit themselves. And here's one benefit for the ultra-rich. After making a killing from the economy they've rigged, they don't pay taxes on that accumulated wealth. Consider two people. An heir with $500 million worth of yachts and jewelry and fine arts, and a public school teacher with no savings in the bank. They both bring home $50,000, and they both pay the same amount in federal taxes despite their vastly different circumstances. That's a system that's rigged for the top. It's time for a wealth tax in America. 
So here's how it works. Anyone who has over $50 million in accumulated assets, your first $50 million is free and clear. Your 50 millionth and first dollar, you got to pitch in two cents. And two cents for every dollar after that. And a few more cents for every dollar of wealth over a billion dollars. That's the basic idea that will generate $3 trillion over the next 10 years. Because here's the thing. You built a great fortune in America. Good for you. All we're saying is, when you make it to the top, to the top of the top, to the top of the top of the top, pitch in two cents so everyone else gets a chance to make it in America. Inequalities in our economy have existed for a long time, and the COVID crisis has just made them worse. With $3 trillion generated from a wealth tax, we can help working families recover and improve their lives. We can make sure that women aren't knocked out of the workforce by the lack of child care. And we can bring structural change to health, education, and economic systems. We need a wealth tax, and we need it now. So... I want to focus on the top of the top of the top, because I I think what Republicans have done very effectively is you have politicians in their nicely tailored suit and their uh, hordes of money just swimming around like Scrooge McDuck. And they go to these rallies and they tell hardworking, everyday Americans that they should be afraid of tax increases. Yeah, yeah. When those tax increases are likely never going to touch the people that are going to these rallies. And when Elizabeth Warren was talking about wealth tax, you you would see people who make, I mean, they're not making over $50,000 a year. I would see them in my, my personal connections on social media saying that they are against it. Right. And they get this idea from Republicans who claim that they're going to be harmed by policies like this. They also do this thing, and it seems to work even on relatively smart people, intelligent people who have run businesses, small businesses, but they're millionaires. Um, like, Let's say you own a couple of gas stations, and you're a millionaire. Or you own a couple of McDonald's, and you're a millionaire. You're a franchisee. You're, you're not in this category. This is your first dollar after $50 million, two cents on the dollar. It's $50 million. It's not, it's not, oh yeah, you own a construction business and you're, uh, you're doing well. You make a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a different cl- category. It's a different class of individual financially. And I think that people can't even fathom the wealth. Yeah. And that's part of it, right? You, yeah, you, yeah. Maybe you are someone who makes a decent amount of money and you, you think you're rich. Well, you're not rich compared to Jeff Bezos. For sure. You're nothing compared to Jeff Bezos and on the scale of income. It is. It's almost impossible to fathom what their wealth is. These top 25 richest Americans, it's unfathomable. I mean, it, it's hard to imagine having that much money. It's more money than you could lose in a, a thousand lifetimes. Right. But when hardworking American families, on average, are paying 14%, of their income in federal taxes, yeah. and the top 25 richest Americans are paying as little as 0.1%. We well, have a problem. We have a problem. We have to admit that. Yeah, I've got, I've got the, the numbers right here. During that period, 2014 to 2018, Warren Buffett 
0.1%, not 1%, a tenth of a percent paid by the guy who whines about dynastic wealth. Jeff Bezos, 0.98%, almost a percent. Good for you, Jeff. Michael Bloomberg, Republican, then Democrat, then Republican, then Democrat, now independent, who knows what he is, Mr. Stop and Frisk, 1.30%. And the aforementioned savior of humanity, Elon Musk, bud, 3.27%. It, it, it is immoral. It is, a, it is a, uh, a disgusting byproduct of our fascination with, our obsession with defending capitalism at all costs. And I'm not some lefty who calls all my friends comrade kind of a kind of a, a progressive. I'm I'm a I, I consider myself a capitalist, but unfettered capital capitalism is an evil in the world. It is a problem. It is a disease. And we're seeing the the ramifications of it here with this reporting. And the other thing that we haven't even talked about is now everybody's saying, here, I'm going to read a, I'll read a statement from Michael Bloomberg's uh, uh, spokesman. In a statement, a spokesman for Bloomberg noted that as a candidate, blah, 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 uh, he cited the philanthropic giving. The statement also noted the release of a private citizen's tax return should raise real privacy concerns, regardless of political affiliation or views on tax policy. In the United States, no private citizen should fear the illegal release of their taxes. We intend to use all legal means at our disposal to determine which individual or government entity leak these to ensure that they are held responsible. Nice so try, again, bro. It's the it's the Donald Trump strategy of crisis management. Yeah. It's oh leakers and liars. Oh, all the, yes, we're doing terrible things. We're violating people's human rights. We're shutting down the border. We're separating kids from their from their families. But oh. These leaks are the problem. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. No, you will not distract from this monstrosity of a story. Well, and I think it goes back to what you said about this being a radicalizing moment. I think for a lot of people, it, it will be to I read this so. reporting, to hear this reporting, and to know that these billionaires added $1.2 trillion to their fortunes from January 2020 to the end of April this year. So while so many Americans were living through the worst period in their lives, struggling the most. Billionaires were profiting hand over fist. Tens during of that thousands time. of millions of dollars. And then oftentimes paying zero in taxes. Right. Or, like Jeff Bezos, getting the $4,000 child tax credit. And I, I think it goes... Fucking ghoul. I think He's it, a ghoul. I think it goes back to what you said as well about people kind of being sold this idea of being able to pick yourself up by your bootstraps, yeah. the rugged individualism, the you can be anything, you can have the, the house with the white picket fence, no matter where you come from, that's the American dream. And I think for me, having grown up poor, I always have this idea that I could end up homeless like that could happen to me like I always feel like it's more likely that I'm going to end up homeless at some point than, than wildly wealthy than wildly wealthy it, and it's probably not far off the mark though no I think that statistically that's probably very true What's for, the, statistic, the statistic we talk about all the time that over 50% of Americans can't cover a surprise $400 
cost. I think it was 40% at the time, but it's yeah. probably definitely increased given the pandemic. Right. And so, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of people that are in very precarious financial situations. And then you have these people. Ugh. <laughs> Speaking of ich, let's pull this train into the station. It's the asshole of today. Louis Gomert. Louis Gomert. Louis Gomert. Has he made an appearance? Oh. Before? Most certainly. In this segment specifically? I, I, I mean, I don't know. We need to have a We catalog. don't like to talk about him. Louis Gomert, listen, I, 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 for a long time I've talked about uh, John Cornyn being absolutely the dumbest member of the United States Senate. Uh, John Cornyn from Texas. And the distinction for the stupidest member of Congress of the House of Representatives, also resides in Texas, and that's Louis Gohmert. Louis Gohmert, yesterday, on the, on the, on the, on the 8th, was, was attending... Um, House Natural Resources Committee hearing. A natural resource, because he was talking to somebody in the National Forest Service, or the Department of Interior or something. The United States Forest Service and Bureau of Land Management. You've got it all right there. That is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he, seriously... It, it makes my head want to explode. He asked this woman whether or not we have the ability to alter the orbit of the moon to impact climate change. <laughs> Come on, man. He seriously, it's not a joke. I mean, the, the upside here is that he's acknowledging that climate change is a problem that needs to be dealt with. That's that's a plus. But listen to this clip. Watch this clip. It is galaxy brain, to say the least. And I understand from what's been testified to the Forest Service and the BLM, you want very much to uh, work on the issue of climate change. I was uh, uh, informed by the immediate past director of NASA that they have found that the moon's orbit is changing slightly, and so is the Earth's orbit around the sun. Uh, we know there's been uh, significant solar flare activity. Um, and so is there anything that the National Forest Service or BLM can do to uh, change the course of the moon's orbit or the Earth's orbit around the sun? Obviously, that would have profound effects on our climate. I would have to follow up with you on that one, Mr. Gomert. Yeah. Well, if you figure out a way that you in the uh, Forest Service can make that change, I'd like to know. Unbelievable. I love that when he asks the question, it's this is the response for several seconds. What do you what do you think the point is? I mean, is he trying to what, what do you think the what's happening here? He's a moron. This, 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 this is scary. I mean, it's funny because the guy is seriously. He, he, I, but is he trying to like say that there's no solution and like trying to? No, like, I don't. What it, I don't think. I think you're thinking too deeply about it. I think uh, he's just a dumb guy <laughs> who really thinks there may be a way to alter the moon. And then I, 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 I forgot about this part. Even maybe change the way the Earth orbits around the sun. I, I think he thinks you just hook a, you, you get a space tugboat. And wrap a chain around the earth and drag it out further. I mean, 
what is happening? You know, maybe you can make it anywhere in America. You cl- you can climb to the top and be in positions of power. Apparently, Louis Gohmert has giant boots with huge, easy-to-reach <laughs> bootstraps because this person has the ability... This he, person. <laughs> he votes on, on important things that impact the lives of 30, 330 million Americans. Yeah. Also, how arrogant of a an American congressman to just like, hey... America is going to move the moon. Sorry, other nations. <laughs> like it's America's moon or something. I I can't just there's I don't know. Uh, I don't know. How does he breathe on his own? <laughs> if it weren't for the fact that it is involuntary function. Yeah. This guy would suffocate himself. It's it's remarkable. Uh, and uh, we're going to end it here. Listen, as always, we don't always like to leave the show talking about morons like uh, Louis Gohmert, so we'll leave you with uh, some inspiration for your uh, for your weekend. Taking care of biz. 16-year-old Shane Jones in Rhode Island. Yeah. And what Shane Jones has been up to is uh, he turned a hobby into an act of kindness and has begun purchasing contents of storage units at auctions and then returning the contents to their owners. Yeah, so what happens is sometimes when you when you rent a storage unit, well, not sometimes, if you stop paying for your storage unit for whatever reason, you're unable to, you're, you're sick, whatever, uh, the st- the, in the contract of your your rental agreement, the rental place takes possession of your possessions. Right. And then what they do, because they're not in the business of, you know, having a giant yard sale, they sell it at auction for for, for little to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is what this kid has done in super altruistic way, is give a, give back to the people who were in a situation bad, poor, poor enough situation to not be able to keep hold of their belongings. Well, they say one man's trash is another man's treasure, and that rings so true for a sophomore from South Kingstown. That's right, Dan. He has a pretty cool hobby. That's helping people in more ways than one. NBC 10 Sam Reed shows us something good. There's a lot of wonder in Wakefield at 16-year-old Shane Jones' home. Uh, I go to yard sales a lot. I um, metal detect. I like recovering things like that. Almost anywhere you look, he's got an assortment of antiques. Yeah, it's copper. Typically, he buys his treasures right from their original owner until he saw a YouTube tutorial on purchasing abandoned storage lockers. Soon, he was hooked. You have a certain amount of time to bid on it. A few months ago, he purchased one in Providence. I worked last summer and just used what I got from that. But instead of feeling excited to see what he just bought, he was sad when reality set in as to why it was there in the first place. This isn't something like yard sales where they gave it to me and sold it to me. This is like where their stuff was taken because they couldn't pay it. So using names and information found in abandoned boxes, he tracked down a woman in a nursing home and gifted items that belonged to her son back to her. It was good. I liked it. Next, he bought one in Narragansett. And actually had family heirlooms in there. And once again, he solved the mystery, returning the items to their original owner. They were all very happy. Tried to offer me money to repay it, and I didn't accept it just because it was something to do, and it was nice. To keep the joy going, he bought one in Johnston. It belonged to a woman from Connecticut who fell on hard times after her baby passed away. She sent messages to Shane. Everything she had to remember her child was in that storage unit and returned to her. Really a lot of gratitude. Like, 
she was just really happy. Shane says he doesn't mind spending his hard-earned money to help others because this gesture is priceless. Well, it's not mine. Why well, just let other people suffer as I succeed? Shane tells me he plans to continue purchasing these storage units. Showing you something good. I'm Sam Reed. I didn't hear the last few seconds because I've been sitting here knowing I was going to have to talk first and telling mm. myself not to cry. Yeah. Um, so can you talk? I like I like the, the, the last line from the kid there that uh, why should other people suffer while I now you're getting ready to I'm sorry. Cry. I'm sorry. I'm getting ready to. Yeah. Um, why should why should other people suffer while I'm while I'm here succeeding? That's uh, it, it is a sentiment that is beautiful to hear from a teenage boy who clearly has um, a heart of gold. Sounds goofy, but. Um, this is a kid who needs to run for office. Hopefully he moves to Texas and uh, runs for Louis Gohmert's seat. Well, and I know I, I keep returning to this comment of like how irritating it is to me that people spend their time online defending people like Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and whoever it might be when people like this exist. Yeah. You know, Shane sure. Jones, who is 16 years old and for fun using his money to buy storage unit items, track down who owns them, and return them to the owners. Yeah, and we're not talking about like $5 in the auction. I mean, they're, the auctions that they showed on screen were $100, some more. It's, I mean, it's, it's, when you're a kid, that's money. For sure. Yeah. And it, it's, it's uh, very selfless. Yes. To be doing what he's doing. And I'm sure, like, one of the messages on the screen, because um, if you're listening, you didn't see it, it's, it's a, uh, Someone whose baby died of SIDS. Mm -hmm. And crib, she's thinking him. And, yeah. and she she lost all of that thing. I mean, think about the desperation, the situation that you're in to lose your storage unit that has that, that contains things, memorabilia, uh, mementos from from your your child who died. I mean, right. that's a situation. That's not just like, oh, that stuff's not important. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Let him have it. Right. That's... That's gut-wrenching. And this kid's, he's doing a, 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 a service yeah. to his community. So it absolutely warranted taking care of biz. Mm -hmm. um, Shane Jones. Shane Jones, Rhode Island teenager. Uh, thank you very much. We love you guys. We appreciate you. If you would like to help support the show, help produce the content we make uh, on the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast is the new one. We'd also would encourage you to sound off to help us move the conversation forward on an episode-by-episode -episode basis. You can call 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Is there anything else, Brittany Page? There is not. There is not. We will see you next time. We love you guys. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.